Okay, I'm going to, uh, I want to begin this morning uh, by sharing a, a story that probably most of y'all are real familiar with. Uh, it happened in 2015 um, in Charleston, South Carolina. And what was happening in, is there was a prayer meeting in a church called uh, Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. And if you remember, there was a, a young man named Dylan Roof who he was a white kid and <clears throat> very troubled person, obviously demonized, went into this church during a service on a Wednesday night prayer time and killed nine people. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure many of y'all remember that. It was a very tragic situation that happened uh, in, in Charleston. Uh, there were all black people who were killed, and obviously they had the potential really to cause you know, absolute devastation in terms of riots and burnings and, and difficulty. So, um, and, you know, obviously the whole world was really focused on this, this thing that happened and that was so, so terrible and wounding. And during the procedures, proceedings within the judicial, the courts, the judge, uh, there came a time where the, the judge offered the family members of the people who were killed an opportunity to, to speak and speak to the, kill, the guy who killed. And I wanted to read what Mr. Uh, Anthony Thompson, who was, his wife was named Mira Thompson. Uh, Mira was, uh, it's M-Y-R-A, I think that's the way you say it. <clears throat> Mira was the pastor of the church or a pastor in that church and, and, and she was killed Anthony wasn't there with her because actually he was a pastor himself, but in another denomination. <laughs> sort of a two pastors, two different uh, denominations. A little bit unusual. Uh, but when the judge gave the opportunity for the family to, to speak to Dylan, you know, I'm just going to read this because I want to make sure you really get it. I read this testimony. It, it says, uh, it says, when the judge asked for comments from the family members of the victims, Thompson admitted he did not want to say anything. He just wanted to grieve alone. But Thompson found himself, found himself standing up to address the court. His words stunned the world. Son, he's speaking to Dylan, the murderer, I forgive you and my family forgives you. But we would like you to take this opportunity to, to repent. Repent and confess and give your life to the one who matters the most, Christ, so that he can change it and change your ways. And no matter what happens to you, you will be okay. Do that and you will be better off than you are right now. Thompson uh, concluded by saying, this is in his testimony, after... I did that. I experienced God's love. I experienced peace. For the first time, I knew and understand what it meant and felt like to experience the peace of God which passes all understanding, which shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. God's love freed my heart, soul, and body of the burden of bitterness and anger. God healed me from the inside out. He took away all my burdens and granted me his peace. Isn't that a powerful testimony to the, to the power of forgiveness? 
and I don't know if you remember or not, several uh, uh, family members actually forgave the guy. It wasn't just him, but that was the one that um, was most, you know, impactful to me. And so what happened was amazing. Uh, There was no riots. There was no burnings. There was no looting. There was no, there was none of that that happened. It was actually a grace that came upon the city of Charleston because of the power of forgiveness. It's really, really what happened. And, of course, you know, the, the media really did everything they could to shift the narrative away from forgiveness to, to more divisive things, which they seem to be really good at, you know, finding out what's wrong instead of what's right. And, which, by the way, that's one of the things that the Lord's taught me in my life is, you know, we can always find something wrong in each other, right? You know, I work hard at trying to find what's right in people, you know, because I've realized I'm going to always find something wrong with somebody, including myself, you know, but just trying to find what's right in people and looking for what the good in them really helps me not fall into sin of criticism and accusation. And that's something we all need to be intentional about. Uh, There was a man who said this, which I thought was very prophetic, especially looking back. He said, "If if we don't learn from this lesson, we're all going to suffer in a way that people can't even imagine. And I think if you look back on our, in, on our nation over the last year since then, that word has really came very true. As we've suffered in our nation in unimaginable ways, I felt uh, that that was a moment that God was revealing to the world the power of forgiveness. And that if, if the world could have somehow seen that, if the church could have somehow seen that and we'd embrace that, perhaps we wouldn't be in the situations and seeing the sufferings and the pain and the sorrow that have come upon us and that's afflicting our nations that we're still, and we're still facing and we're going to be facing, I think, for a while longer, perhaps. Um, so what I'm going to talk to you about, of course, this morning has to do with forgiveness, right? <laughs> Y'all okay? I shouldn't ask that, but... You know, I'm reading Matthew 6, 12, and it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the part of the Lord's Prayer I wanted to talk to you about this morning. And I I do believe forgiveness is one of those most powerful weapons that we have. In fact, let's just think about it for a minute. Imagine in your life if there was no such thing as forgiveness. Imagine that God didn't forgive. Imagine that Jesus came just like he did, but he said, we're not going to forgive you. You're going, there's going to have to be something else. Listen, there wouldn't be a such thing as Christianity without forgiveness. It is like the, the, like the superpower, the core essence of Christianity is this thing called forgiveness. And it becomes such a powerful thing. I wanted to read a couple, so three Martin Luther King. Y'all know who Martin Luther King is, obviously. Uh, quotes that I think are very powerful he says, if we, if we do an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we will be a blind and toothless nation. <laughs> well, let me tell you what that m- means. I have an understanding. Number one, he was talking about spiritual blindness. That's what he was talking about. And so we can't, and, and if you're spiritually blind, you can't perceive what God is doing. And you can't discern right from wrong. 
That's what's happening in our nation today. People have lost the ability, even church people, even good believing people, are losing the ability to discern what's God and what's not God. And when he talks about tooth for tooth, we'd be a toothless nation, teeth speak of identity. And I'll tell you, we're in danger of losing our true identity as a a nation because of a lack of forgiveness. That's something we should... Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Here's another one. In spite of the fact that the law of revenge solves no social problems, men continue to follow its disastrous leading. History is cluttered with the records of nations and individuals that pursued the self-defeating path, the law of revenge. In other words, not forgiving. One more. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that really is the truth, and those are really answers... I believe, for, for us as personal, you know, as individuals and as a, as a nation. Listen, I get that people in the world don't forgive. I mean, of course they don't. How can they? Okay, because they haven't encountered forgiveness that they should. But the body of Christ, so all people on the earth, we're to be carriers of forgiveness. We're to be the people who sprinkles that as salt and bring, brings it forth as light into the nation. Yet we struggle with forgiveness, all of us do. If you would really be honest with yourself, there's things that happen to all of us that really put us in a situation where, where forgiveness is needed, for forgiveness is required, and we struggle to forgive at times. I, I don't know about you. I've, I've had my, a major situations in my life where, where my whole life revolved around dealing with forgiving. And so years ago, I read a book by R.T. Kendall. I've, I've shared this many times in this church it was 20 years ago or so, but the book was titled Total Forgiveness, and R.T. Kendall obviously was a real favorite of mine, and, and he listed a few things in there that was very helpful to me because the book came out during my, in my life when I was struggling with some pretty hard relational issues, uh, feeling very betrayed and very hurt by some people that were close to me that I needed to really, you know, process and work through the, the whole issue of forgiveness. But here's some things that he said that this is not what forgiveness is. And th- these are really helpful. Number one, it's not approval of what, that, of what they did. It's not approval of what they did. It's not excusing what they did. It's not justifying what they did. It's not pardoning what they did. It doesn't mean reconciliation, it doesn't mean that you're denying that they did something terrible. It's not turning, a, you know, turning your head away and being blind to what they did. It's not even forgetting what they did. And it's not pretending you're not hurt. And so when we begin to understand that, none of those things are forgiveness. They're just what forgiveness is not. Now, of course, God could ask us to, to, to forget. He could, sometimes he asks you never forget it. There are some things you don't go back and put yourself into. Because my thought for years about forgiveness was, if I forgive, I've got to subject myself to whatever hurt was coming from that person. And it, so I struggled to forgive because I didn't want to subject myself again. Are you following me? 
And so that was, boy, that was an eye-opener for me to realize, no, I do not have to subject myself. I can forgive and not subject myself to a situation that's hurtful and harmful. You know, um, a couple of other things that I've learned through the years about forgiveness is uh, one of the reasons we struggle to forgive is because forgiveness, when you forgive, it feels like a weakness, that's how it feels to you. It feels like you are put yourself into the weak position, okay? Whereas being angry and unforgiving and bitter it has a sense, a false sense of strength. That you're, you're in the right. You're in the, you're in the driver's seat, supposedly. But it's a deception. It's all a lie. It's a big lie because forgiveness is actually one of the greatest strengths because it's really what God did. It's what Christ did to us, did for us. Are y'all following me this morning? Mm. I'm a little, little wound up about this for some reason. I don't know why. I thought it was amazing stuff Louise was sharing about. Well, in my time of uh, struggling with harsh things that had happened to me by people that I cared about, loved, trusted... And suddenly I was real hurt by him and couldn't, for the sake of me, get it right with him. Even having people come in to try to, you know, help reconcile it. Um, you know, people, you know, that both of me and the other party, you know, respected and thought it would be a great for that person to come in and give us wisdom and counsel. Couldn't, couldn't get past it. And... Those things helped me, you know, that R.T. wrote about. But here's, here's what helped me more than anything else, okay, is the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you can forgive because I have already forgiven you. You have the power of forgiveness in you. And if you will tap into this power in you, you can release that power. And I was absolutely able to forgive in that moment. When, I, when the light came on inside of me, that I had the power of forgiveness in me. I want to just read a couple of verses about that, which I, because I believe this is one of the most important facts of Christianity that's often overlooked uh, by us. It's 1 John 2, 12. I write to you, little children, because, listen, your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Note what he said, your sins are. Not your sins will be but they're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Whether you ask for it or not, whether you confess it or not. A lot of people don't really understand that, but your sins are forgiven. Confessing your sins or asking for forgiveness does not, let me make this really clear, does not get you forgiven. There's only one thing that gets you forgiven. It's what Jesus did on the cross. That's what gets you forgiven. Here's an, I know that's a little different for some people, but this will liberate you. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Isn't that power? That's power. We have this. We possess this. This is ours. We're carrying it in us. Now, if, if we're forgiven, why... Is, are there places in the Bible where Jesus said, where, like even the Lord's Prayer? There's many uh, bad thoughts on that, personally speaking, that I think uh, about that. But I'll tell you my thought on it. Because he does say, forgive 
you know, as you are forgiven. Okay, forgive as you are forgiven. So some people take these other scriptures and say, well, if we're forgiven, why should we ask for forgiveness? Why should we ask for something we already have? Well, that's a great question, I think. You should ask that question. Well, Lord, what's the deal here? On the one hand, Paul says, we're forgiven. Uh, uh, John the Beloved says, we're forgiven. It's a done deal. They didn't tie any, anything to that. They just said, we're forgiven because of the grace of God, because of the blood of Jesus. It's a done deal. It's settled. It's settled at the cross. We're forgiven for all eternity. We're forgiven. Why are there places where you says, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven? Have you ever asked that question? Like he said that in Matthew right after the Lord's prayer. It's the first thing he said. And if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. Well, here's the thing. You know, when you look at, look at the Bible, you look at the Scriptures, there are things in the Scriptures that can seem contrary, right? There's, you know, there, there's things. See, see, there's two sides to this thing. There's God's side. God has already forgiven the entire world. Those people out there, out there in the world who don't know Jesus Christ... That young man that's sitting in prison today, I suppose Dylan, who murdered those people, as far as God's concerned, that, that man is forgiven. He's totally forgiven. Is he walking in forgiveness? I don't know that he is. See, God is concerned about our hearts. So from our perspective, we have to deal with this thing called forgiveness because, because of the condition of our human hearts. You see, so from God's side... It's a finished deal. It was finished at the cross. Nothing else to be done. But from our side, there's something that's always going to be need to, need to be done for the, for the rest of our life because we live in a world where there's hurt, where there's disappointment, where people do stuff to you that hurts you, that disappoint you, make you mad, d- discourage you. I mean, I was mad last night at somebody. And I, yeah, oh, wow, I was really mad at him. And I was saying, why am I mad, so mad at him, Lord? You know, and I wanted to sin. I, I wanted to, to, to start saying bad things about them and begin to accuse them of things. Okay? And so that's the world we all live in, and, and, and we're always going to be tempted to do that kind of thing. We're always going to feel these, these kind of things. Let me uh, read this, and I'll give you some more on this in a minute. Can y'all hang with me? Proverbs 4.23, everybody knows this. This is a beautiful verse. Like I say, God's concerned about the heart of man. Jesus understands the heart of man. He understands how we live. He understands how we feel. He understands how things are so wounded and hurtful to us. And that how we have to be careful to deal with those things because they can hurt our hearts. And that's why it says in Proverbs 4, 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In other words, now he's talking about your spiritual heart. He's not talking about just your natural heart. In other words, that's the core of who you are. Your heart is really who you are. It's the essence of you. It's the real you. It's not this outward thing is not the real you. There's this real you in here, and that's what the heart represents in the Bible. That's why it's mentioned so many times in the Bible. Okay? You know, you know a, a proverb that says, this, Water reflects the face of a man, so a man's heart is. In other words, it reflects who we really are. So Jesus understands, and, and, and the writer of Proverbs was saying that this thing called the heart is the most, this is the thing you've got you to be diligent about in your life. 
okay, because it affects everything in your life. It affects all your emotions. It affects your opinions. It affects how you see things. And so you have to be diligent when it comes to this. And one of the worst things that can happen to us as people is unforgiveness. It has a huge impact on our heart. It can, it can destroy you, lead you into bitterness. And bitterness will, is, is a defiling thing. So I've learned, uh, you know, when, when I think about the natural heart, you know, like, you know, I think you can get rid of your gallbladder, right? You, you can take it, take it out, and you're going to be fine, right, once you get over the taking out part. But, <laughs> but you can't take a person's heart out, and they're going to be fine, Right? That's the way it is spiritually. We, there's some things we can, uh, we can get rid of spiritually, good things, awesome things, but you're not going to be able to get rid of your heart. If you get rid of your spiritual heart, you're gone. You don't exist no more. You're dead. You're doomed. And so that's why this proverb, writer of Proverbs was saying this. He was saying we've got we to take care of this thing. And so there, here's, these are like little three Byron Wicker little things that I've realized in my life I've got to take care of my heart about. No, the first one's sin. The Bible says this in uh, Hebrews 3.13, don't let your hearts be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, that's the effect of sin on our hearts. It deceives us, and it causes our hearts to become hardened. Have you ever just wondered if you're, if you're just being deceived? Have you ever felt disconnected from the Lord, just felt it? You felt like God was far away? And you were like, what the heck is wrong with me? You know, why don't I have this fire in my belly that I once had? I, one thing I ask myself, am I walking in deception, Lord? Do I have sin in my life that I'm not facing that's causing my heart to harden up towards you? And I think that's a, a really good question for us to ask. You know, you know the Bible says, and going back to Genesis when, when the Lord was talking, I think it was talking to Cain, like sin is lurking at your door. And I'll tell you, it's still there. It hasn't, sin hasn't been done away with. Sin is still here in the world, operating in the world. And it is trying to pull us in. It's trying to draw us in. And so that's one of the things we had to be careful about in taking good care of our hearts. So when we do sin, is having some truth with God about what's happening with us. Okay, that's getting real in your heart. I think, to me, that's what Jesus was trying to get at when he was saying, you know, you've got to forgive. You've got to confess. You, you know, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't saying that's going to get you forgive. He was going after your heart to get your heart in a position where your heart could be alive. Are you following this? The, the other thing is legalism. You know, if the enemy can't get you to sin, he's going to try to get you to get into this Christianity that's based on what you do, okay? It's called performance. If I do this, God will do that. If I don't do this, God won't do that. You know, you get caught in the... And everybody in here is like the hamster wheel Christianity. It's like you're just going wide open, you know, but you're going nowhere. You're just going in this little circle. You're not really moving. You're not progressing. But it feels like you are because you're doing the right thing. You're on the hamster wheel of Christianity, you know. But really the truth is you're going down. You're wearing yourself out. And so Paul even goes so far in Galatians. This is what he says about, about legalism. He says it's witchcraft. That's what he says. He says legalism is witchcraft. Oh, Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
Who has led you into a, a former Christian? A Christianity based on works is witchcraft, according to Paul the Apostle in Galatians 3, chapter 1 through 4. You read it, and that's what he says. And we see how powerful a legalism could be, because even Peter, even Peter, I mean, and Peter is the man, right? He stumbled into it. In Galatians 2, Paul had to call him out for acting legalistic. Okay, so he, you know, legalism is a, an attraction, it's a draw to us that we had to be guard ourselves. Uh, Hebrews thirteen nine says, "Keep your hearts established in grace." That, keep your hearts in the realm of grace, where grace is dependent on Christ. It's the life of Christ. It's dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, not dependent on what you do. It's dependent on what He's done, what He's doing, and what He wants to do. That's grace. That's what it does. And grace gives you the power to do all that. You know, if our hearts are not hardened, where we're no longer able to connect with Him and see what He's doing. Are y'all good so far? And the other one that's been a big deal in my life, and I think in most people's life, is when our hearts can get overworked. Okay? They can get overworked doing the work of the Lord. They can get overworked doing the work of family. They can get overworked doing the work of life. And if you read Mark 6... This is what you're going to find. We're not going to go because it's, it's too detailed and too much. But in Mark 6, you know, J- Jesus had been doing all these aws- awesome things. And this is what he said. I'm giving to Mark 6, you know, yeah. Hey, let's do this. Let's go take a rest. That was Jesus. Because he was recognizing his disciples were getting, getting fatigued. They were getting tired. They had been going after it. Jesus had been healing multitudes. He had been feeding people. You know, and they were all involved in this. And we get some idea. It was just everything was some miraculous thing. And, you know, somebody was working. Somebody was carrying the food to them. You know, somebody was dealing with, you know, all the people that were trying to crowd in on Jesus and, you know, kind of help facilitate what was happening. And Jesus recognized that these people were, these men and the ladies and all the other people that were connected with them, they were tired. He said, let's go take a rest. So they got in the boat, went over, and guess what? The people were so desirous of God. And, you know, Jesus is going over there. We're going with him, right? And so, you know, they get into the situation again. They don't, in other words, they, didn't, they never get the rest. It's just ongoing. And then uh, they get in a boat. Okay, and they're going across the sea, and Jesus starts talking to them about, y'all, y'all, y'all need to be careful about the leaven of the Pharisees. Uh, y'all need to be careful about the leaven of Herod. And they're thinking, we didn't bring any bread. <laughs> yeah, that's what they, we didn't bring loaf bread. We forgot the Merida or the whatever, Dave's <laughs> organic bread. We didn't bring any, we don't have nothing to make our sandwiches with. They lived, that's where they were at. Jesus was in one world. They were in another world. And then Jesus began to talk to them about it. And he said, your hearts are hardened. But he wasn't talking about hardness of sin. He was not talking about hardness of legalism. He was talking about you have worked so hard. It's like created, you know, you got calluses on your hand. Your heart is starting to get calloused. Your heart's starting to get calloused. And you can't see and you can't hear and you can't connect with what I'm doing at all. Do y'all hear that? Go read it. It's in there. 
And I've discovered in my life there's times where my, I feel like my heart starts getting cows. I start, and I start whining. I start complaining. You know, next person that calls me, I'm going to throw my phone at them. <laughs> you know, I realize that they're not bad, wrong for calling me. I'm wrong for wanting to throw the phone at them. Because I'm at that point, my emotions are cooked. I'm, I'm running on empty. And it's causing me to get hard. And I think one of the things that we've had in, in the United States is we have a whole population of people who are fatigued. There, people are wore out. Wear me out, government. Wear me out, pandemic. Wear me out. You know, all these things have wore people down. People are tired. And so their hearts are getting this callousness on them. And you can see it. You can see it with a lot of, a lot of believers. Well, you can see a withdrawal on them. Not because they're withdrawing into sin or not because they're withdrawing into legalism. They're withdrawing because suddenly their hearts are getting callous, but the results are the same. They're not really able to connect with the Lord. They're not really able to discern what He's doing or hear His voice. Because you know, when you hear Him, when you start discerning it, everything changes. That's where we have life at. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I found myself in that place over and over and over. And to be honest with you, recently I've heard all these rumblings about the Delta variant. I said, oh, I'm not in for it, Lord. I'm not up for it. I don't, my heart's all, I'm, just, I'm barely recovering from the last round. I don't know if I can do another round, honestly. And then I go to these pastors' meetings, that's all they want to talk about. Like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know, we've got to deal with it. You know? So let me say this. Although we are forgiven, we're forgiven. I'm going back to forgiveness now. Although we are forgiven, there's nothing wrong with you saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm really sorry I was mean to Becky last night. I ask you to forgive me. Why? It's for me. It's for me. It's not. It's not. But you know what? If I don't ask God that... I'm still forgiven. From God's side, Byron, you're already forgiven for being a jerk. In fact, he might say, I'm good. I'm good. She's not good, though. You might want to go talk to her about it. And I know this probably could be a bad example. I don't think it is. You see, if I wound Becky with my words, I do something that hurts her, she's, I know she's already forgiven me before I did it. She's committed to me. She loves me. But it brings healing into the relationship. See, it's a heart thing. When I say to her, Becky, I'm sorry. Uh, we've told uh, the uh, premarital, the three most important terms is, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. Like we tell all the people we did premarital counseling, those are the three most important phrases you could ever use in your marriage. I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. Everybody in here hear that if you're married? Now, that's important. I wish I could get Becky to practice what she preaches. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The truth is, I am the baddest one in the marriage. Okay, I'm the one that's having to say it the most, and rightfully so, because I'm sorry, I'm wrong, and I need to get her to forget, make sure she forgives me. Yes. <laughs> most guys are, really. The other day, Becky was asking me these hypothetical questions about something. And it was about going to counseling or something. And I, and I would say, well, no, I'd be good. And, you know, I'm good. She said, well, most men would say that, wouldn't they now? 
Because you can get women to go to counseling all day long, but getting men, you got to threaten them. You know, you, you got to get them in a room and just put the threat on. Like, you're going, you got to go. You know, she's going to do something bad if you don't. Because you know, most men will say, there's nothing wrong with my marriage. I don't even know why I'm here talking to you with her. You know, that's the truth. 90% of guys are like that. Maybe 10% are good, but 90% of the guys don't think they're messed up. They don't think their marriage is messed up, you know? But, the, but too bad their wives do, and since, you know, she does, it is. You know, at least it is in my house. If she's, if, if she's messed up, the house is messed up. Well, yeah. God's already forgiven us, and if asking Him helps you, it helps you to be renewed in forgiveness, okay, and helps you to know, have a confidence and have an assurance, then ask Him. Ask Him. If, if it helps you with your relationship, if it helps you with your relationship with yourself, there's nothing wrong with asking. Just keep in mind, asking doesn't get it. Asking doesn't earn forgiveness, just If you can just remember that one point, asking doesn't make me forgiven. The blood of Jesus is what made me forgiven. Asking just gets my conscience in a proper place. That's all. And you don't have to ask. I ask. That's what I do. I ask because it's healthy for me to ask. Which brings up my last point. It has to do with about confession. Okay? Because most of us are not good at what's in our heart. Okay, most, most, most people are. There's some people, artists are. Most artists are good at it. In fact, they're too good at it. That's how I feel about artists. You're too good about talking about what's in your heart because I don't really want to talk on a heart level right now. I would like to talk about more on a, you know, let's grind it out level. Most artists are not interested in the grind it out level. I'm just saying that if you're an artist, don't pay no attention. I love the artist thing. It helps me, but... That's the truth. They're, not, they're good at talking about what's in their heart. Most of us are not. And, we've been put, and we're in a culture that has not really taught us how to communicate from our heart. And let me say this. Christianity is meant to be lived out of your heart. Because like I said earlier, your heart's the real you. And so that's why we have to learn how to confess what's in our heart. Talk about what's in our heart in the proper context. Okay? You know, we can have times where we talk about things that we're bothered about or or people that bother us. See, there's nothing wrong with having a conversation with somebody that you're having a hard time with this other person and you're telling another this person that's trustworthy that it's not going to cause them to fall into sin. You're telling them, this is the thing about this person that really bothers me. They're doing this and it irritates the fire out of me and I don't want to have a relationship with over them. Okay, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but if it turns into accusations and criticism, if that's the reason you're doing it, then don't do it. I've had many people come to me and start talking, and I would stop them and say, are you just here to vent? Okay, and if you, and, and if you need to vent, okay. But if you're here to bring accusation and criticism, the conversation's over with, because I'm not going to partake in criticizing. I'm not going to help you sin and, and entertain you sinning against somebody by speaking, criti- you know, the, the devil's work, you know. But we can have conversations, okay, about what's going on in our hearts, about our, our friends or, or, you know, 
your relationship. I mean, that's why people go to counselors, right? <laughs> to have these conversations. And so we need to learn how, as believers, to, to, to the Bible uses the word confession. When the Bible uses the word confession in the New Testament, it's talking about confession is saying what God is saying. It means say the same thing as. It's, it's not talking about saying a bunch of bad stuff. It's talking about agreeing with God, having a faith-filled conversation. So I can have a faith-filled conversation about something that's bothering me. And the faith-filled conversation has to go back to this. Are y'all following this? This is all has to do with forgiveness, okay? Because it says confess your sins to one another, okay? And the blood of Jesus will clean you. Well, there's lots of controversy around that verse. That's another, I think, 1 John 3 something. It's, again, we're not confessing to get forgiven. We're confessing because we are forgiven and we need some healing in our hearts. We need God to do something for us and, and communicate what's in us, getting it out on the table instead of stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it. Okay? And sooner or later, it's like water behind a dam. Everything you stuffed is going to tip over and it's not going to be a good day for you. It could be a, a, a time of a great, terrible day for you. In fact, I've known people, it's literally they've had breakdowns because they stuffed for years, where they, and then there was nowhere else to stuff it. And when it came, when when the tipping point came, they couldn't deal with it. They just, you know, they just had like an emotional, you know, what people call it a nervous breakdown or something. You know, it was terrible, and it took took a lot of healing and stuff to get them back to a place where they could really even function again. And so I believe a lot of what you know we term as, oh, well, that's an old covenant thing. You know, or they're talking to people under the law. And I, I mean, I get that. You know, even like the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, Jesus was talking to people. The new covenant hadn't started yet. But are we going to kick all that to the, to the curb? No, we don't want to do that. So, I mean, here's how I feel. You know, there's times where Jesus says, Woe unto you Pharisees. He's like, what? He has several woes. I even take those scriptures and think, Wow, that Jesus is telling us things he doesn't like. He may not be speaking to me because I'm not a Pharisee, right? But he can be speaking to something that I need to be aware of that he doesn't care for, and I don't need to allow that in my life. I need to ask him, hey, is this going on in my life, Lord? You know, am, am I doing this, it, or is this something in me that has the potential? So we can even take Jesus' woes to, to, to religious people and let it teach us, let it reveal something in our hearts. Are y'all following this? And that's why I'm saying it's, it's important for us to be people that live out of our hearts, you know, because that's how God designed us. And part of living out of your heart is talking about what's in your heart get, and understanding what's in your heart. For years as a Christian, I didn't do that. I kept because I didn't want nobody to know me, Okay. Yet the heart's real you. So I had myself protected with masks and whatever so people couldn't really know the real me, you know, until God began to deal with me because he didn't want me living a fake life, a life that's afraid, a life that's fear, a fearful of being of man, fearful of being rejected, fearing that people won't like the real me. You know, and that was like this delivering thing. But then what I found out, once I began to live that is... There's things in here that are not good. 
there's issues in my heart. And somehow those issues have to be processed. They have to be processed. And sometimes it's sin that has to be processed. Right? Sometimes, Lord, I'm just so dying and tired, I can't do this no more. I want to quit. Those things have to be processed with the Lord and, and talked about to God or talked about to another person who you can trust and who you know they can handle. They're spiritually mature enough to know, hey, yeah, you know, I get what you're saying and they're not going to judge you or they're not going to tell other people. They're going to have empathy. And, and lots of times I've found in my life about confession is just once you begin to say things, see, there's power in our words, right? Once you begin to say things, stuff gets released. I think a lot of times people are walking around feeling unforgiven, right? Even though they are, they, and, and you, you can say, well, you don't need to ask forgiveness, but if a person feels that and a person feels condemned, the best thing they could ever do is say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I, I need, my heart is messed up. And that's how Jesus is. He would say, yeah, go for it. I forgive you. I'm good. Are, are y'all following this? And so this is why forgiveness is such an important thing. Because, and, it's, and like I said earlier, you see the power of forgiveness that could save a city from riots. It could save a city for, from looting, from you know, all the bad things that happen when people get mad. It's the key to racial healing, honestly. It's, it's the key to political healing. It, it's the key for our nation, Y'all, is for our nation could stand up and say, we need Jesus' forgiveness. We need it flowing in our nation, and we need to forgive each other. I think if the world could see that and do that, I think we would, it would be like the grace of God coming, you know, on us. It would really be powerful. And, and yet, well, here we are as believers, and we've struggled with forgiveness. And you can see why. That thing in Charleston was such a miracle. It was a miracle that God did. It was a graceful miracle for him to speak to the world. And I think it still speaks. Amen. Amen. So, thank you, Lord. I'm going to stop now. Aren't y'all happy? (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad to be done with this. Oh, you know why I'm glad to be done with this? Y'all, y'all want to know, hear confession? Because I thought, well... I have a lot of feelings in my heart about what has happened in our nation. A lot of very strong feelings. I really do. But I wanted to keep it to what Jesus would want to talk about instead of Byron Winker's strong feelings. You know what I'm saying? You know, because I believe forgiveness is, is an answer for all of us. So I wanted to give, number one, an opportunity. And one of the things I was obviously feeling strong is, is this tiredness that has gotten on people and, and is causing people's hearts to basically shut down. Where you feel like you're, you're just wore out from life that has gotten to you. That if you might be one of those people this morning, I think the Lord wants to help you. So would you stand up if you're one of those people just stand up we're going to ask the Lord to help you right now because the Lord's good and we sang that and he wants to he wants to deal with our heart see I, I, I'd be standing with you the only reason I'm not standing with you I, I did this all this week you know and so Father I just thank you for everybody standing right now in the name of Jesus that life has warm out Lord 
Some of them, it's just the natural things of this life. Some of them, it's what you called them to do. I, wow. Woo, Lord. Mm. I just pray for healing of our hearts, Lord. I just pray that fresh water from heaven would begin to flow over hearts in this room. Just flow over hearts. Just wash away all this fatigue and all this sorrow, Lord, that has come upon us and all these questions and all this division. We're asking today. We're humble ourselves and say, Lord, we need your help. We need you to anoint us. We need you to, to cleanse these hearts. And there'll be a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord will begin to come, Lord, in our churches, in our bedrooms, Lord, in our living rooms, in our workplace, Lord, in our recreation. Lord, that the times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, we're calling it forth today, times of refreshing. You'd refresh the hearts of your people, Lord. Lord, that people begin to have fresh encounters with your presence, Lord. Now, while you're standing, stay standing. I know there's people in here that sin may be got its clutches on you. And that's how you feel. You just feel like you just... And I know for many people, it's not like you just intentionally walk down a road of sin. It's just easy to fall into sin. The, the Bible calls it the sin that so easily besets us. And every day when that easily besets us, it can begin to deceive us and harden us. And, and the way we see things is suddenly... And so it's a moment where you can say to the Lord, however you want to say it, you can begin to have a conversation with the Lord about these things. Just telling Him the truth and asking Him to help you. Asking Him to have mercy on you again and again and again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning, mercy is waiting on us. Every day, loving kindness is flowing. And, and it's like we have a renewal in that. It's like we step into it in a fresh way. Perhaps you have some person that has afflicted you. And maybe the Lord's speaking to you today about forgiving that person. That's important. You can tap into the forgiveness of Jesus right now and release it. And like that, that dear brother who lost his amazing wife to murder was able to totally forgive and totally get free in a moment's time where otherwise it could have destroyed him and absolutely destroyed him. If, you, if that's you, just do that, do that. Just do that. And, you, and perhaps you're a legalist. Perhaps you're somebody... Lord, I don't want to be a legalist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that I'm trying to do something on my own. I'm sorry I'm trying to do something out of formula or rote. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. That's not who I am, Lord. I'm a son. I'm free. Lord, just release that. Release that. Release that. Just take a minute here and just keep releasing that. Just keep allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart this morning of this great thing called forgiveness. Now, I want to just, if you need to forgive somebody, let's, if, if, just say, Holy Spirit, bring anybody to mind right now where they may be something. And whoever He brings to your mind, you can be intentional to release them. Just release them. 
Father, I forgive. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said. Just have that kind of heart attitude. Let's just take a moment for that. It's real important. Mm-hmm. And just remember, just remember, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. It's not what we do. It's what He's done. And we're just believing that. And in our belief, in, our, in, in humbling ourselves to what He's done, the grace of God begins to flow. It's all, it's all freely given. So with this forgiveness piece, um, a pretty big part of it is sometimes unforgiveness can lead to physical ailments and migraines or back pain or chronic pain or uh, autoimmune diseases. It's been scientifically proven that unforgiveness and, and being in a bad place socially with people can cause those physical ailments in your body. Now, I'm not saying, and again, to, to sort of not get legalistic about it, I'm not saying if you do have those ailments, it is because of unforgiveness, but I do want you to just search your heart and ask the Lord, is there unforgiveness that is blocking my healing in my physical body? So I just want you to just get with the Lord, ask for wisdom, ask for discernment, ask for him to speak to your heart. And if you have some physical ailments that you need prayer for, we want to pray for you. We always want to give an opportunity to pray for physical healing for people. But this unforgiveness piece is a big one. It it's pretty major and sometimes it might be unforgiveness from years and years ago, something your parents Uh, something that happened with your parents or something that's happened with a friendship or something that maybe you didn't even remember that you're still harboring unforgiveness or you think that you've dealt with it but maybe you haven't ask the Lord for discernment and the ability to release that to him and the strength if you don't feel like you can do it in your own strength the Lord can do it for you just say Lord I can't do this in my own strength Or if there's something that I don't even know about that's going on, show me and help me to do it with your strength. Because we want to walk in the healing in every area, emotionally, socially, physically, mentally, spiritually. So um, we just want to ask the ministry team to come forward. If you have physical ailments or something that you need healing for, or you just want to come up and pray. The unforgiveness piece is a big one. So just come on up to the front here. Sometimes just the act of coming forward. You can do it sitting in your seat. But sometimes the physical act of coming forward and making a statement. Lord, I'm going to deal with this right now at the altar. So just come on forward and get prayer. If you don't need prayer this morning or at this time, you're released to go. Bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Anybody who's joining us online, we bless you. We pray for you. Drop us a line. Email us if you need prayer. Put a comment in the comment box. Bless you. Thank you, Lord.